This is the Flyer Racing Pit Talk podcast. We are checking in with my good friend and a guy I go way back with, which is Jack Simpson. Jacko is in California. He's been racing the works and some other off-road championships for Factory Honda with the uh, SLR Monster Energy Honda team. And it's really great to check in with Jacko and have a good chat with my, uh, my buddy. Once again, got to give a massive shout out to Fly Racing. This is the Fly Racing Pit Talk podcast. If you're at Oz Supercross Round 1, if you were watching World Supercross, Joey Savacci was wearing Fly and uh, he won World Supercross. Justin Brayton was wearing Fly and he won Australian Supercross Round 1. And you've got the genuine Honda guys, Dean Wilson, Wilson Todd, Kyle Webster, Max Anstey getting on the podium, taking the win in SX2 in Oz Supercross. Pretty much... If you wear fly, it looks like you're going to win Supercross. So the 2023 range is out. Make sure you guys check that out. And uh, with that being said, let's get to another rider who is in America wearing fly, my friend, Jack Simpson. All right, guys, as promised, Jack Simpson coming to you live from California. Simo, what's happening, bud? Hey, dude. How you doing? Good, mate. Good. Good to catch up. Yeah, likewise. So, um, what time is it there now? Like eight o'clock, yep. like last night, right? Uh, it's eight o'clock. Yeah, Monday night. Monday night, and you just came back from where were you racing this weekend? Ridgecrest, um, Ridgecrest, California. So I think it's like sort of north, north sort of northways, like it's near Barstow. I'm still trying to get used to my um knowledge over here with directions and geography the way yeah exactly it takes a minute it's a big state man it's a big state but look you and i chatted yesterday we were chatting some business and other things and i was like man we should do a podcast because um you've been gone for a minute now in america and a lot of people in australia like they see you on socials and everyone knows what you're doing to a certain extent but it's such a different racing model over there with off-road you know like over here you've yeah. got AORC you've got a few desert races that's really about it whereas in the states like you're doing you know I'll let you explain what you're doing but it's um it's a really cool model and uh yeah talk about that talk about who you're riding for the, the, the series you're racing just like give everyone the lowdown of what it is you're actually doing in America okay so basically how it all started was um I pestered my now boss, Mark Samuels, on Instagram because I was racing back in Australia um, doing the ARIC and sort of got a little stale doing that. And then I was riding for the factory Honda team back in Australia and I selected just to do desert only, which that sort of sparked a bit of my own interest is like, all right, well, I'm doing Hatter and Sink. What else is out there? Like there's Dakar. Yeah, it's a little bit out of, a little bit out of the picture at, at that time. Um, and I wasn't re- really ready or thinking about doing that. So I was like, well, how about I go hit some Baja, like the Mexico stuff? Because that looks like fun. Um, For the record, it does not I, look like fun to the, to the normal person, but you enjoy <laughs> going, you enjoy that stuff, so good for you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we'll keep it that way. Um, so there was a race, uh, Mint 400, which is the start of 2020, and um, that was in March. And um, I had a sponsor that was racing his trophy truck over here. So then I was like, hey, Mark, really, can I like, whatever it takes, can I ride one of your bikes? I want to race the Mint 400, which now that I look back at it, the Mint 400 is not really nothing too crazy. It's just one of the rounds of, the, I'm pretty sure it's the National Hare and Hound Series, and it's just one of the rounds. So because it's hosted by the Mint 400, like they make a big song and a dance out of it. So I was like, oh, maybe this could be something, you know, to do and just, you know, get the feet wet. So that's pretty much what happened. He's like, yeah, yeah, well, we can get you a bike. Um, come over, like sort of, you know, pay your own way. We're happy to help you with the bike and whatnot. So I hit that race and, um, you know, we went pretty good. And he was like, oh, shit. Little, uh, little Aussie guy America? can ride. <laughs> yeah, well, I, he sort of knew, but the Americans are so... Um, they're very, you know, they're 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 in their own country. Like, they don't <laughs> to make it as nice as it yeah. sounds. How do you really say this care about what's, politically correctly? Yeah. yeah, they don't really care what's going on in Australia because they're focused on what they're doing here, and um, you know, their sponsorships here, all this stuff. So big props to Mark for really having me out, um, like these days to race. But we'll get to that. Um, 
And look, that was at the beginning of, that was just before COVID, wasn't it? It was literally the week before COVID. So this is, yeah, this is where I'm getting at. So we raced, we raced the mint and then I was to stay, uh, I think it was a week after or something like that. I can't really remember, but I was here a week or two after. And he's like, uh, what are you doing next week? I said, oh, I'm flying home, but like I've only been here three weeks. You know, you're allowed to stay here legally for three months without a visa. So I'm like, well, nothing. I could just, I could change my flight. He goes, would you be keen on racing the San Felipe 250, which is the first, the first um, championship race of the score series, which is Baja, basically. So you got Baja, you got the San Felipe 250. Then I'm pretty sure it goes um, Baja 500. Baja 400 and then Baja 1000. So basically, that's 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 how the races run over in Baja. But as we were driving down to um, Mexico to start doing a bit of pre-running, um, the border shut. The whole world shut down. Literally, Mexican border shut when we we're about 20 minutes off it, and wow. we had to turn around I've and never, go back home. I've never got this story from you, but. I didn't realize it got that hectic over there for you. Um, yeah. I remember you coming home when COVID started, but I didn't know it was like, you know, end of the world type shit where the world was shutting down and you, you were caught in the middle of it. No, literally. So, yeah, he's like, do you want to race Baja? I'm like, oh, yeah, like 100%. I'm in. Yeah, like, of course. I had yeah. nothing really to do in Australia other than Fink, which was in, um, in uh, June and July for Hatter. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And... You know, yeah, the world the world shut down, the Mexican border shut, um, and then you know people were panicking over here, like the Americans. You know, they were getting um, the forty four gallon drums all prepped up with fuel, thinking like you know they 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 panicked. Everyone was panicking. No one really knew it was unordinary. So yeah, I basically got rushed to the airport about two days later and flew home to Australia to make sure I was home because it was yeah it's pretty pretty scary at that time because no one knew what was going on yeah wow i because i remember you getting home and i remember then all the lockdown started and yep yeah wow um that's exactly yeah, cause what then, happened like me and you that year were working at my house do you remember we were digging out the driveway yep. and we were yep. doing the drainage and wow yep. that that wow that was that that was that year okay um crazy times so it all just it, all my dreams sort of not come crashing down but they just got postponed i was like fuck like, this is exactly what I wanted to do, and it's just been literally pulled from under me. I'm like, oh, well, this, what can I do? Well, anyway, so I went back to Australia. Um, obviously, no racing for the whole 2020 and 2021, and basically just kept in contact with Mark. And I remember sitting there on a bobcat um, working for my dad, and I'm like, I'm over this. I, I need to go race. Like, I haven't done nothing for a year and a half. So I, I remember ringing him and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, not much. Just same old, same old. Because they were racing. They stayed racing over here. Yeah, it was different. Um, they they kept their yeah. their series running, hey? Yeah, they they, they um, managed they managed what they um, could. And yeah, definitely definitely got more than enough done to keep it keep it running for a series for that uh, the 2020 year. And then 2021, it's like, you know, it's not all back to normal, but it, it got better and they, they were able to run their full series. So... Yeah, to answer that, that's how I sort of got involved with SLR. And when I rang, when I rang him, I said, "Man, have you got anything? Like, I don't care. Like, I'll ride a, a practice bike at some of these races. I just need to get out of out of Australia and get some racing done because I'm not done yet, and I don't want to. I don't want to just sort of go into the normal life. And because once you sort of drop your guard racing, it's very hard to get back to that level, you know, especially for like a year or two's time. Because oh, you know, real. just life things life things come in the way. You you know, yeah, and you that's, could make partners, you could get mortgages. Like sometimes you just don't have that flexibility just to. Well, you got it. You your, got a mortgage, and then you got out of the. You rented that thing out from memory, right? You exactly. were just like, which worked out fine. Yeah, I remember you getting that house and stuff. But it's it's interesting, right? Because obviously, I, I think when me and you have these conversations for public consumption, it's like I have to put my hat aside of like you and I go way back, and we you know we always work on projects together and. You know, I remember talking to your team manager before you went over there and yep. kind of trying to put this deal together. And and your career, like you said, though, it, it's interesting because how old are you now? 26. Wow, that's that makes me feel really old. So you're 26. <laughs> so you're right because, yeah, with COVID, like everyone took that year and a half, two years off, and you did as well. And it's like at 25, 26, 
like you're you're lucky in a sense because you're so talented you've always been able to shred but like this probably was the last chance you would have had if you didn't go all in on what you've done i mean you've had this conversation now where it's like okay you know this has breathed a bit more life in your career long term because there was you know australia was really struggling aorc didn't run for same as anything else nearly two years yep where do you go with no, that? Definitely. You know, as far as your career goes, well, it was, it's you know it was know, either it was, go it was go now or, or or it's pretty much done, isn't it? Exactly, especially at that that age, that 25, um, 24, 25 age is hard because that's when that's sort of your prime in a way. Um, and <laughs> I'm I'm pretty mentally strong. I sort of sit there and go, yeah, I might be um, twenty six, but really I'm twenty four because I haven't raced and banged bars for the last two years. So I'm, you know I've had two years rest with no injury or anything like that. So that's how I think of it. But yeah, that, that age could be, um, is a little bit daunting. Like imagine if you were you're 28, 29 or even 30, and then you had to wait for two years to go racing. Yeah. And, and like, you really saw really, that, you like, saw that with a lot of guys, that was kind of it for them, you know? Um, Literally, a hundred percent. There's a lot, I got a lot of people, maybe not at my level, but there's a lot of people that were into the bikes and they're all having fun and racing and progressing off-road and motocross. And then once the COVID stuff kicked in, they um, all started working. They started making some money, getting mortgages, um, girlfriends, babies along the way. And it's just like, oh, well, you know, they might be still be able to shred here and there at a practice track, but are they going to go race series or plan to go race overseas? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The real world catches up to you pretty quick in, in that mid-20s mark. But so yep. let's talk about, just before we get into like really in-depth with what you're doing in America, you know, Everyone, for the most part, listening, you know, your career, you know, you went into the MX Nationals, um, MXD, you know, for a couple of years, you were a title contender. Then you went into MX2 for a few years. You rode Australian Supercross. Like you were always, you were always a top level pro rider, um, but your career path never quite, you know, it never quite followed. And I think we talked about this before on podcasts where it was like, you really, if we're just being completely honest about it, you weren't really cut out to run at the age you were at like you like doing real world stuff and you actually like working a job and you liked your, your drifting and your cars and your Harleys and yep. you liked all these things where being like the, the super dedicated training not doing anything else motocross robot it wasn't for you like let's just be straight up you know and no, definitely I'd, you're right keep going yeah and, and it's interesting because even at times when I was your coach or trainer back in the day it was it was kind of frustrating <laughs> but like <laughs> you look at how it's worked out now and you sort of forged your own path where you did, I mean, you were really successful in AORC. You did the international six day, um, you know, then you went into desert and then the, you sort of found a home in the desert racing. Yeah. Because you were really good well, at it and you were really good at going really, really fucking fast and taking risks, but being super <laughs> calculated about it. Um, so I guess, I don't know, just the summary is it's an interesting path that's, you know, if I'd have gone back eight years when we were at my gym training and going to the track in 2015 or 2014 to think that now you'd be living in California racing like the off-road series over there for factory Honda, it's like, wow, that's a big jump. <laughs> that's a big jump to get to, isn't it? It is. It, um, yeah, like uh, it's not the, um, uh, what would the word be, Joe? As in, it's not the exact way of how a racer would have done it. I don't know how you would. Well, it's not the stereotypical like, way it's done, yeah. Exactly, yeah. That that like you look at you look at kids, right? So they start they start in the juniors in Australia, they go through to the senior class, which is the one two five and two fifty class, then they move up to MXD, they do one or two years there, if not three. Then they move to MX two, they do a couple of years there and then they go to four fifty. Um, and then you see some guys like um Duffy and whatnot, some of these really super fast, talented kids would jump a couple of classes and then they might go do a little bit of stuff overseas. See, for me, I um, probably, like I honestly probably could have done that if I really wanted to, but I was more into, as you were saying, cars and, you know, a little bit of partying here and there and just being a normal a normal sort of early 20s or, you know, late teens um, sort of kid, especially in the area that I grew, grew up from. Because I, like, for what I'd done wasn't really at, out of the uh, unordinary compared to what all my other kids and friends have done from school you know like I've actually kept I've kept in contact with all my friends from school I haven't really lost anyone due to racing bikes like half of my friends like literally wouldn't even know what the hell I do 
Well, I have and that's, no idea. That is one interesting thing about you. You say that because you are, you know, I can't talk. Like most of my friends are from moto and the industry. Like I, yep. I do have other friends. You know, obviously I didn't go to school here, so it's a little different for me. But like, yeah, you know, you you got the family, got the farm in Piersdale, and you really just kept it real as in like whenever I'd see you, we'd hang out. You've always got one of the local guys or one of the local crew. This is so-and-so. <laughs> we went to school together. This is da-da-da. We grew yep. up together. Like you've always had that core group of, of, of friends in the hometown, which makes it even more bizarre that I never really thought you would go overseas because of that, you know? Yeah. See, but that, that's the thing. So I had the chance to go live all those things that kids want to do as well as still somehow being a, a podium guy throughout <laughs> yeah. racing bikes, like, you know. And I've ne- I never partied, like, um, super hard or done anything stupid when it comes to that. But I, I would definitely socialise. Yes, I would go to um, 21st in the city to raging nightclubs. Um, I'd be out late, like, doing the car show and shines and all that sort of stuff. So that's, that's why I think now at um, 26 like I've done everything that I've ever sort of wanted to do at a young age and yeah as I said somehow still been a top rider throughout those years and it's given me that I've experienced what some kids miss when they are so dedicated to racing so when you see them go race uh, sorry go go outside of racing sometimes they get a taste of that and go I don't want to go race like I don't want to be up at 7am running the roads and you know smashing smashing the bike for laps and laps and laps on end on your weekends off and all that stuff to try and become something um yeah i guess i just made it made it work and then at the age i am now i sort of was sitting there after covid going all right this bike stuff's starting to um fade away due to covid i need to do something about this because i want to do i just want to do more you know yeah man it's 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 really cool it's a cool story because it's not the the you know, it's not the straight line, like you said, from juniors to pro. Yeah. And I, I have no doubt. I know for a fact, this is a double-edged sword. If you, if you were able to, to knuckle down when you were younger and, and do that extra 10% you weren't doing, you could have won multiple championships. But I also know that if you did that, it would have broken you like as a person because yeah, I probably wouldn't be racing right now. I'd no, be you, done. you'd have been done. So it's such a double-edged yep. sword where that was the way your life was supposed to be going at that point. And you, you stay, mm. you stay true to that. So, you know, yep. it's awesome. And now, okay. So, you know, we've covered, you know, the backstory everyone knows. Um, and one thing that I want to talk about before was what you did in COVID, which was um, loan works. We didn't talk about that yet. Yep. So yeah, yeah, we haven't. Yeah. I, I sort of keep that under the wraps a little bit. <laughs> No one, yeah, it's sort of funny that I haven't, because I've been over here so focused, I've sort of not forgotten about it, but I've been so focused here, I yeah. can't build bikes while I'm in uh, California, so I've just sort of, that'll still be going, just um, just on hold for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so for anyone that doesn't know, Loneworks was Simo's little side project that actually got a lot of momentum very quickly, he was doing custom bike builds, and they were sick, like, you know, guys like Troy Candy were buying custom bikes through loan works to do like the big raffle giveaways that he does and and yep. you, you're like a what what was that cover on the magazine adb i think yeah we did we done um so a, a billionaire's son he we done a um a bike for him which was to match his 488 spider ferrari <laughs> which is right. white with red rims <laughs> just the most, so goes, just the oh, most wild I, I stuff honda, i love honda because he's he's chinese or he's japanese either either he goes i want a honda so i'm like oh fuck i'm thinking <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to have to build him a 450L now, which has yeah. really been done. Def- hasn't been done in Australia. And it's only now people are starting to do them over here as the dual sport. Right. So I had to, you know, I had to break the seal and just go in and just see what I could do. And that bike was that bike was not easy because you couldn't even just put a slip-on muffler on it because um, the ECU wouldn't work, like it wouldn't fire. There was just so much stuff I had to get a piggyback ECU for it. There was all these things, but yeah, we done it, and ADB really, really liked it. So <laughs> I, I remember walking into a Shell service station, and what the hell? I'm just looking Australian dirt bike bag. That's one of my bikes on the front cover. Yeah, for real. And, it was it was cool you know, though because you had the time to work on those projects, and um, you know, again, and that's what I done through COVID. That's what I done because I was like, well. I love bikes. You know, I collect bikes. I've got 
you, you would be you would be blown away, Joe, now if you walked into my shed and I had them all rode up. You'd be like, oh, my God, what have you been doing, kid? But I've just been collecting bikes, mainly two-strokes. But, yeah, it's just my passion. I like I like pulling an old bike down and building up and making it look cool. And then I also like building some real high-end um, sort of Gen Y-style dirt bikes um, for unique customers that probably would never put them in the dirt. Yeah, that, that was what was so cool about Loneworks. And like, I remember sitting down with you when you were doing the, the concept stuff for the Troy Candy bike and sort of putting that yeah. program together. And man, again, super successful. Like, and, and if you'd have kept going with that, I wonder, you know, when you get back, you probably will at some point when you're done racing. And that'll be, you know, again, so check that out, Instagram. If, if you guys haven't seen it, Loneworks, it's, uh, it's some cool stuff. But so let's get to it now. Uh, SLR Honda Monster Energy. What's the team name? Yeah, it's um, I, oh, that's you put me on the spot there. <laughs> it's SLR Honda Sketches a Monster and the main the main sponsor. So I'm pretty sure it's called Monster Energy SLR Sketches Honda or something like that. And you are the 250 team rider, and you race the the Work Series, and you race the what was the other one? I race Works and NGPC. So they're the two the two series is that um, we do. And we also do, um, we also do uh, Mammoth and Loretta Lynn's we did this year. Um, we have got a couple of amateur guys that do all the amateur stuff like the um, Cal Classic. I think that's Freestone, Texas, which is the, um, the amateur race that they do up there. I'm not a hundred percent sure on what they do amateur wise only because I'm so new to it, but yeah, there's definitely stuff going on always. They do Baja, um, they also have Justin, which is doing the, what was he doing at Stadia? There's some desert stuff as well. Like they're always got something going on. Yeah. It seems like Mark's a real, um, you know, he kind of reminds me of your Eve a little bit. Like he's got his fingers in a few pies with Honda and, yep. and that program's growing, which is really cool to see. And uh, you still live with Mark, right? No. So I live with Callum uh, LaFontaine, which is my teammate. He rides the 450. He was the, well, he is still the current, um, 250 um, champion. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's right. So he 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 won the 2021 Works and NGP title, and then yeah, for 22 um, is us now. So yeah, he he stepped up on a 450. He hurt his shoulder early in the year, and he's only just starting to um, come back now. So. And the other teammate is Cole Martinez, right? Because Talon yep. Ma- LaFontaine and Cole Martinez, they were really good supercross riders. Like they weren't they, were, yeah, they, they weren't factory level guys, but they were good two fifty riders, hey. Correct. Yep. So that's so there's um And what else is crazy is that, that series, right, that we race, we have um pretty much everyone in like we race in uh, Giacomo Redondi, which is a world world junior Italian uh, world junior champion, um, a couple time Italian junior champion, but uh, he he rides a gas gas over here. Uh, you got Zach Bell, um, uh, Austin Walton, which is another like yeah. There's some there's some really good really good talent over here that we're racing. So yeah, and I love that. You know, it just brings everyone up. Yeah, for sure. And that's like I don't think people understand that about America, where you know you guys would go to Glen Helen on a Thursday. And I remember when I was living in California back in the day and training to race, you'd go to Glen Helen and there'd be some dude with yellow backgrounds with a big tank, um, yep. you know, and you, we're going back, back like 2006, 2007 when they were big four strokes, you know, and, yep. and these dudes would just blow by you like you were standing still. And, you know, I'd, I'd be riding a 450 getting ready to race the, the UK nationals and, and yep. things like this. And you're like, who in the hell is this dude with a camelback doing an hour moto? And y- y- when you don't understand the racing model in America, it's hard to get your head around that. Oh, so these guys don't do motocross and supercross, but they're a factory team and they have exactly. sponsors that's, like that's Sketches and Monster <laughs> Energy. And, and then you see like, yeah, there's motocross, but off-road is so big in America. And, you know, the East Coast, you know, they have GNCC, which is what everyone kind of thinks about. But there's so many of these championships in California that guys like you and teams like yours, you know, you guys can race, you have factory support, you can make a living. There's prize yeah. money, there's contingency. Like, it's big business. Yep. Yeah, it is. Like, you know, me and Talon, it was funny, we were only having a um, conversation yesterday on the way back from the track. I said, so what sponsors do you think we could um, 
bring on board to SLR, like to, to make our bikes better or gear better. I'm thinking, okay, so we're, we're fly head to toe. We've got Alpine star boots. We don't really want to change too much like with gear wise, you know, because that's part of some other sponsors um, are part of the team. You've got a Honda bike, which is really good. Your pro circuit exhaust, factory shower suspension. Um, we've got monster energy budget. We've got, you know, sketches is just unique and cool. Like there's a lot of, you wouldn't really change many parts on our bikes. Like everything's dialed. Like we've got the best of the best stuff with yeah. the best support, you know? Yeah, I mean, the bikes look dope. Like the gear, the setup, Monster Energy, Sketches is cool. Like I don't even know how Mark got that one. I saw it on Instagram before you were talking about the new running shoes and it's like, yeah, wow, okay. But it's, again, it's so different to people just go motocross, supercross or off-road. But Yep. There's... And then as, as you were saying, like at Glen Helen, like, I go head to head with like Steph Hamaker, like Jason Anderson's out on the track when we are. It's just normal. It's so weird. Like at the start, like um, in January, I'd go to the track and not get daunted because I never was a rider like that. But I'd be out there and, you know, someone like Ando would be coming up on me and I'd sort of move over and get out of his way. But now you're just into it. Like you just, you literally just go for it. You don't look back. And next minute you find yourself in between, say, like, um, you know, me and Talon always do a bit of cat and mouse racing because he's on the 450, I'm on the 250 at Glen Helen. Yeah. And we both go pretty fast around there. So what he does is he'll start behind and try and reel me in and then I'll try and run from him. And then next minute we're battling with pro circuit guys or um, like the other day was Marvel Muskman and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just so normal. No one really bads an eyelid. <laughs> it's so cool, isn't it? Like I, I remember Glen Helen Thursdays at times being out there and you're just like – Oh, yeah. If this is cool enough as it is, like even if I never raced a pro national in America, I got to ride with Josh Hill and Jason Lawrence yep. and Jake Weimer. I remember like I had a coach and we he'd send us out to do sprint laps and you try to hang with those guys and like it's it's just it does become normal. It becomes the routine, but at the same time, like if you'd have told you know your little teenage self that you'd be riding Glen Helen every Thursday battling with guys like that, you'd be like, wow, that's so hard to to almost no, comprehend, you know. I done that. I done that um, about a month ago with my own van driving it through Las Vegas on the strip. Like I'm driving down the strip in Las Vegas, going. I know people like I come over to Vegas many years ago and was like, "Oh wow, this is crazy!" Like I'm in Las Vegas. Fast forward five years, I'm driving my own vehicle down the Vegas strip, just going, "How surreal is this? This is actually crazy." <laughs> it's so it's so cool, hey. But it's also interesting how quickly it becomes normal. Um, I know. So the, obviously the year's gone pretty well. Like every time I've talked to you or I've seen you post, you're pretty much on the podium at the races you're doing. Yeah. I think I podiumed every race, but, but, um, one, I think something like that. Yeah. Like if something I did, uh, I had a throttle, a throttle mal- mal- malfunction with the throttle cable. One of the other rounds, which is the only reason why it put me off the podium. I still, got fourth like i was up there but yeah i know considering like really really good and what's the race formats like what do you do at these events what what, what are they because some of them so are gate it, drop some of them are flag drop like what 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 correct what's the system now ngpc uh an hour and a half race and so, then work the work is a two-hour race right so, so an hour and a half race pit stops the whole thing right yep one pit so we usually one pit so how to work is um I could just say, I'll just say NGPC, which is the hour and a half race, how it'll work. So Friday, we'll get to the track um, at 8 8 a.m. We get to go do practice, which is just two laps. So it's it's called an unclassified um, practice. So it's a race start. So it's a race start, like with a a flag drop or a green light that goes off. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, we go do our two laps. And then in that afternoon at 3, we get a 50-minute practice. So then that, that's usually about four, nearly five laps. And then the Saturday, um, same thing. You can you can opt to go out at 8 a.m., which is the unclassified again, do your two laps. Then in the afternoon, you got four laps if you want. So you don't have to do it. Us boys just use that as like testing and um, bike stuff, whatever. Yeah. And then even Sunday morning, if you want, you can go out Sunday morning, 8 a.m., two-lap warm-up. Basically, that's what we call it. And then um, we have the race at 12.15. Um, yeah, right. And, yeah, we go for an hour and a half. We do a fuel stop. Um, the the racetracks are usually at 
you usually have like a, a motocross track involved with like a man-made sort of paddock, like grass track style um, set out. So it's virgin ground. Um, what sort you know, of lap time are you looking at? We're looking at uh, our lap times are 11 and a half minutes, 12 minutes. Oh, so it's a pretty decent length then. It's more of an off-road yeah, length, decent. yeah. Oh, yeah. So they add everything in that property. So, for instance, like at Glen Helen, they'll use the motocross track. They'll use the REM track out the back, which is the vets track. Yeah. They'll use all the service roads around there. Yeah. We'll race through the pits. Like, we'll go onto the stadium truck, like the, the rally cross slash trophy truck, sort of the stadium cross track. Um, we do all that, and they, they just mix it all up into one huge big lap. Yeah, dude, and that Glen Helen, like I said, I've seen some crazy shit at Glen Helen. Like when do they send you guys over the concrete barriers and stuff as well? Yep. Yeah, we go over the K rails, <laughs> the K rails, and the 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 tire yeah. walls and stuff. It's it's yep. Wow. So realistically, then hearing all you're talking about, your mix of supercross, motocross, and off road and desert, this is almost like the perfect place to put all of that exactly, together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. For the nail on the head. Yeah. That's why I think I adapted so quickly and so well because. I can do those things that see some of these riders that we have over here, majority of them have motocross, supercross background, but they don't have any off-road experience. Mm. So it takes a little bit for them to learn. And then you've got a couple of guys that are just off-road only. So they can't do these crazy jumps and bits and pieces. So yeah, if, if anyone was a perfect sort of, um, all-rounder, I don't know, had yeah. To, had to, yeah, all-rounder, well, I'd be myself. And there's a, you know, there's a few others that can do that stuff. And that's why I guess we're, successful so quickly yeah it's it's a, uh, almost like a really great match and i think you going yeah. back to the 250 as well because we talked about this yesterday you know with your plans for next year trying to figure that out but you know america's so accustomed to you know if you're an international guy you have to go back on there on a 250 like they very rarely you know roxon and musk and like everyone goes to america on a 250 and yep. you did the same thing um and their their stepping system's very clear. It's like you kind of have to win a championship on a two fifty, and then the factory four fifty team start looking at you. So for yourself, it's like going on that two fifty for a year, and and possibly even next year if things align with with what you're working on at the moment. Um, yeah. You know that's a great thing because you spent years racing four fifties and racing five hundreds in the in the desert stuff, and so jumping yeah, back onto like the the you know let's not joke around like the, the 250 honda is the best handling bike in that class forever so you yeah, got you exactly. got a good team good motor amazing handling bike years of experience riding bigger bikes so to drop back on a 250 it's like you know easy not easy but it's certainly an easier way to learn those types of racetracks than trying to do it on a 450 exactly yeah then getting you know then sometimes you can you might have a couple of average rounds on a 450 and you just feel like nothing's working nothing's clicking um so that's yeah, as, as you said, that's a good way of good way of running it. And I'm and you know Mark is not he's been running a race team for quite some time now, and he, he knows what's up. He knows what he's always got a plan going on. Yeah, he seems like a smart dude, and you know you know I mean four fifties. You're always searching for setup. You're always searching for comfort, especially that high speed desert stuff. I can't imagine how you know how much you need that setup dialed for off road. Um, oh yeah, and the, and all of us riders are all different. We're all different weights. And we're all different riders. So, like Cole's suspension, if I jumped on Cole's bike, it wouldn't like he runs different handlebars to me, different grip, um, just everything's just different. So it's like I look at I look at some teams like say I don't know how much different Jet Lawrence's and Hunter Lawrence's two fifties are, but I dare say they're pretty pretty similar. Um, but with the off road stuff, it's very it's different because it's personal preference, which you know your bars grips, etc. That stuff's pretty easy to change. But when it comes to riding style like Cole um, Martins, he's he's a very aggressive rider, so he's like all 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 or nothing, you know, when it comes to his um he's set up like he, he needs the bike to be able to be sort of stiff in a way because he hits stuff so hard and he brakes so hard and he you know, he clutches everything so hard and then you got Talon which is he rides very similar to me, very finesse, sort of misses all the bumps, just rolls the power on, he's short shifting, um all that, you know, in a way. So that's how we have our stuff set up. 
Yeah, for sure. It's it, it is you know it's different for everybody, but I I really thought going back to the two fifty was a really smart choice, and it's it's worked yeah. out well. So, how many more rounds do you have left over there? Because obviously, with um, a few things going on, you happen to come back to Australia and different things. Um, you've missed a couple of rounds, but I think you've got a few rounds left to finish the championships off, right? Yeah. Yep. We got four. So, I think we have two works and two NGPC to finish off. Nice. Um, now look into next year, obviously we can't talk about much, but you know, we had some conversations yesterday and there's options for you to, to race both sides of the world. Um, is it a case of, you know, and we talked about this where it's like, you're never going to look back and say, oh, I spent two or three years racing professionally in California and America. You're never going to look back on that and say, yeah, I regret doing that. You know, <laughs> the opportunity you have over there is so unique and so cool. Um, but obviously, Hatter and Fink, like that's something you'd want to come back and do every year, regardless, right? Yep. Yeah. See that. That's. Um, I, I have a personal sponsor here uh, back. Sorry, back home in Australia, that would fund me to race any bike at any time, or anything like that. So that's good to have. But yeah, <laughs> it is very good to have. <laughs> It's very good to have. If I have to, um, I'll definitely race those two races because um, it doesn't clash over here at hot summer. And they don't, the good thing about our series is we sort of go hard for the first five months of the year. Then we have June, July, nearly all of August off. Yeah, nice. So it's like a full gap, but there's not one race to even do. So everyone sort of uses that as vacation time and, you know, that's their downtime. And then we get back into it for the rest of the year, like what we're doing right now. Um, so yeah, next year is going to be busy. Um, I can't say what bike I'm going to be on. I don't really know yet. It all depends on how, um, this deal goes for next year, but I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be pretty cool. For sure. Yeah. And man, people don't get like California summer is, um, it's on par with Australian summer. It's too hot to really do anything. So it's good that they have that break in the championship. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Let's not get, you know, we'll do some longer form podcasts. We'll talk about your career and stuff, but I figured it was just good to catch up and it was good to let everybody know what you're up to and just talk about, you know, it's, it's a unique story. So again, we chat a lot, but a lot of people don't hear from you and Oz other than Instagram, which, yep. you know, it's, you see pictures, but you don't really get the full picture, you know? No, no. And I, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happens throughout my career that I can't post or I can't um, get excited about. I wish you could. I just don't know why dirt bikes has that stigma. I'd really love to sort of keep everyone like you know follow, like people follow my journey, but a bit more in depth because there's some really cool, really cool stuff that happens and you know just just some of the opportunities you get and imagine the you know capturing the phone calls and stuff like that, but. At the end of the day, nothing's really um, nothing's really concrete until it happens, and that's that's why Instagram sort of will only see that when it happens, if that makes sense. Yeah, it is what it is. It's the model of the sport. You can't talk about nothing until it's signed and and uh, everything in between. But I mean, you know, there's there's some things you put up which are cool, like you were popping off some guns this afternoon, I think, which is yeah, very American of you. I used to do that too when yeah, I lived yeah, over that's there. Completely, <laughs> completely legal. Like we're out in the shooting area and. Um, yeah, it's just where everyone shoots guns and that was my mate, you know, handgun and he's, he's allowed to witness me do it. So it's pretty cool to do that. Um, in Australia, you can't really do it. You I know, know so. dude, it's so crazy. Yeah, like you just go, I remember riding back in the day and, and you finish riding or whatever and, oh, let's just go to Walmart. We'll go buy a bunch of rounds and shoot some Glocks at the track. And it's just like, yep, exactly. it, it, it sounds so insane now, but that's just what you did, you know? Yeah, exactly right. That's what, so we're, we're actually me and my friend Des are filming a documentary over here for myself. Like we're going to, we started filming about two weeks ago. Just um, basically going to try and capture what I do. So it's more like sort of just Jack in America type of thing, but with yeah. a bit of a story on why I come over and what I'm doing, why I'm here. So that's going to be pretty cool. Like, But that's going to take a couple of months to film because we want to get, um, you know, all that for so the gun shooting, um, riding bikes, um, you know, just the social life over here, my new friends that I have here, just capture everything. And then what, we're going to know when it's ready to drop because we sort of, we're going to do an interview and then just add add all the missing stuff in and sort of film and capture as much stuff as we 
need to to make a really cool video and make it super clear so everyone can go on YouTube and type in my name and see what I do, you know? Yeah. see what I Dude, what I've done to do. That would be that, that would be epic. That sort of long form content is so cool. And people don't know this about you either. Like I remember oh bef- way back when when you got injured as a junior before you went pro and yeah. we were we were training and rehabilitating both your ACL replacements and yep. you had your media deal and you were filming and creating content like this was back before content was even a thing. I know and I really <laughs> and I really oh that that hurts because I I really should have done something like if you if if I knew that YouTube was going to blow up like this and Instagram was going to blow up, so I could have, I had all the equipment and everything that I needed at my fingertips to be able to be sort of like a, I'm not saying I'm an influencer now, but I do, I do have a pretty solid um, account and engagement when it comes to followers and um, people that follow my stuff. But yeah, if I really had that YouTube and just went with the flow on all of that, with all the stuff that I already had, it's only what kids would have dreamed of to, to do, you know, and you, you've seen it now. I feel like I've missed the boat when it comes to that. But then again, would I be that focused? And who knows, like that could have led me down a different path and I might not be racing. And deep down, that's what I've always wanted to do. That's why I'm here. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, yeah, you are one of the few, like I would say, you know, you'll call me from time to time and be like, hey, this brand just reached out. And a lot of, there's not many Aussie Australian racers that get that or Australian moto guys. Like some of the freestyle guys. Yeah. Cause they, I would almost put you in that category. You're not a freestyle guy, yeah. but you have a bit of X factor that you're not, uh, you're not just a racer. You kind of have that yeah. transcendent uh, quality where you, you sit in your own lane, which is attractive to people, you know, the, the brands that you work with and, uh, it's cool to see, but yeah, I just thought of that where I was like, man, I remember you filming stuff for me back like 12 years ago or whatever, and it was little little squeaky jack um, yeah. way back when, and you've always been ahead of the curve on things a little bit, hey? like A little bit, yeah. You know, you think about I that, thought, you I think, think about... I think it's more just passion, Joe. Yeah, it's I think true. it was more just passion, like I just, I didn't think of it, I was just doing it because I liked doing it, and the next minute, just that's just how the world sort of started going, it's like, oh, it seemed like I might have been ahead of it, but it wasn't. It was just generally because I liked doing it, you know? Like even with loan works, like I think about you doing that and then all of a sudden like this custom, not, I'm not saying it was because of you, but within the year of the time you started doing loan works, you saw like guys like Nigel Houston on Instagram having like pimped yep. out road bikes, you know, that were obviously moto bikes on the road. And yeah, yeah, it's well, like even, the, the even timing, the school, you know? The old school 90s, sort of craze that's going on right now and still very strong. Like, I know people have started companies rebuilding bikes for people. Like someone, you know, a, a cashed up a cashed up guy's got this wicked ass 95 CR250 and he can drop it off to so there's probably three or four people that I know that have um, full-time workshops that specialise in that. So you just drop your 95 off they'll do a quote up for X amount, you pay that amount and you come pick your bike up and it's all coated, it's powder coated, it's got all the brand new wheels on it, like everything's just rebuilt and that that was that's pretty cool, you know. I don't know if that if I sparked that, but I think I was like along along, you know. No, you were definitely a part of the community with it. Like you, you go down to Hastings, which I mean obviously I live on the Gold Coast now and you live in California, so it's not really either of our locals anymore, but it was the local track on the peninsula in Victoria where we both lived and yep. you go down there on an average Saturday and there's twin shocks, there's ninety six CR one twenty fives, there's eighty nine CR two fifties, there's like all these pimped out like you know Oh yeah, and they're probably worth more than what a normal a normal brand new 450 would be. Oh, they're worth perfect. so much more because there's like there was so like you, there was Powley, there's Burner, there was all these guys in that area that, and I think it's the same up here in Queensland. Like they have the Conondale Classic and all these races that have yeah, just all these vintage bikes that, and you know yourself, right? You get a bike like that, you frame it, and you do every little thing to restore it. There is hundreds of hours in that. Oh yeah, and the good thing about the bikes, like you can really run it run it how you want. There's no real there's no real guided guideline or anything like that to, to build a dirt bike. That's that's another thing which is pretty cool about the dirt bike and the old the old school sort of anything. Like when you're doing a custom build, it's a custom build. You can put whatever you want on it. Mm. 
and people get creative with their colours and sticker kits and everything. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I want to do a bike build eventually. We, we should talk about that when you get back next time. I want to do okay, – I have that. no affiliation with any manufacturer right now, but the Husky yep. Supermoto road bikes. Um, oh, they're sick. Dude, one of them 500s pimped out on the road. I would love to have something like that. Just That would be good. That would be good in your area because I remember you complaining about the, tr- the Gold Coast <laughs> traffic where the four-lane freeway goes into a two-lane. Two the lane traffic. Highway. Imagine you just sweep up the middle on a – 500 and just cruise at 110 no worry the traffic in the gold coast is on par with the traffic in california i would say (laughs) lucky i'm a little bit out from there yeah and i don't have to deal with that type of traffic but if someone rear ends someone or what do they call it over here a fender bender someone has a fender bender mate that'll stop that'll that'll wreck you for an hour or two oh for real i mean i'm (laughs) going to Glen helen and that and and those tracks like those mega freeways it's um yeah, it's but yeah, that would be cool. But hey, all right, I've took up enough of your time, Simon. I know you've got to get to bed, and uh, I probably need to get back to work. But um, good to chat, man. And I'm sure you want to give some people a shout out before we go. So, who do you want to thank for for the year? Yeah, definitely for this year. Um, like the whole SLR crew, which that's the mechanic sponsors, everyone involved with those guys for having me over. Um, like Talon for let me let me like have a, a room and somewhere to live over here in in the US and it's super smooth. Like we've, we've got a very similar sort of attitude to the racing and we bond really well when it comes to that. So him, um, we've got the, the whole OBR, the trophy truck company, um, the race team that helped me out back in, back in Oz when I, when I come back. So I sort of, I, I blew in like a rock star basically. And I think it was like seven days later, I was on the start line, the race thing, cause that was just how, how the timing went. I had to race. And then, um, as soon as I, finished up that race over here in the US. I flew straight to straight Alice Springs and then started testing on a Husky and then race went pretty good considering. Um, so yeah, that the whole OBR crew that um, supported that. Uh, Steve Jones had done all the suspension for it. Um, there's a lot of people. I'm just, you sort of got me on the spot. Yeah, there so I did put you on the spot, but yeah, I mean, obviously the team and everyone involved, um, you know, it's not a podium speech, but obviously these platforms are a good time to, to shout people yeah. out. And um, No, the, the, the people that help, they know that I appreciate it and um, they're a part of helping me success and, and sort of go after my dream. So pretty much everyone involved. That's it, man. All right, well, hey, Jacko, um, what's today over there? Shoot, Monday night. What, what's the plans this week? Where are you riding? So, so tomorrow, um, so that's going to be our Tuesday I'm racing the Glen Helen 24-hour race, which is new to me. That's a 24-hour race um, on the same bike with four different riders. Yeah, right. So the, the team is not completely confirmed, but I'm definitely in. So That's the headlight going, and everything, yeah. Oh, yeah, headlight. Big I'm probably going to have one stuff. of the – Yep, shout out to Baja Design. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going out tomorrow. I'm going to probably start at 5 p.m., which is just on sort of dusk as the sun's setting. And um, go ride, and then ride into the night. I've got one of my mechanics, Carlos. He's going to come out and just sit in his uh, truck and just sort of keep an eye on me while I do this. this there's a bit of a loop out here that I want to um, ride, so I'll probably do an hour night riding tomorrow. Just to kind then of get Wednesday, used to riding in the dark, yeah. Yeah, that's all. No, nothing crazy. And on the 450X, so um, different, completely different bike. It's the off-road uh, version, so it's a little bit different frame and whatnot. So yeah, have a spin on that, and then. Uh, Wednesday I'll have off only because we race this weekend pretty hard. So Wednesday I'll have off completely. And um, Thursday we're going testing on the race bike for the 24-hour race. So that'd be the same one as I basically ride um, tomorrow. It's a fresher version. Everyone's going to be able to ride that down at Glen Helen and come, because we all got to come up with a mutual agreement with levers and, you know, brake height. Yeah, true. Um, you got to ride like somewhat you know, of a neutral bike for everybody, hey? Yeah, so that's 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 the whole part of that. So that'll be Thursday. Then Friday, probably head down to the track and set up. And then Saturday morning at eight a.m. Um, yeah, we start the race. So I'm not sure who's starting it. Probably myself or someone. Maybe Chance Hymas. I think he might be on the team. Yeah, someone right. with a bit of sprint speed. Um, to just to sort of get the get the ball get get the show on the road. Yeah, try and get and some. Then, I mean, track position will be huge, right? So you'd want to sprint early think, and try yeah, and get I, away. I honestly, I honestly don't know. The boys have done it before. They they definitely know what's going on. I'll just sort of do what I'm told. But yeah, we're going to do an hour on and uh, three hours off. So hour 
then give it to the next rider and then he does his hour. So, yeah, we'll have our on three hours off. So, God, I'll be riding at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 or 4 a.m. i got no idea. It'll wow. be pretty cool. I'm excited. I think I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I should do well there. I sort of look forward to that unique sort of stuff I can raise to those. Raise, raise the bar when I have to when it comes to that sort of stuff as sort of relying on my background of, you know, riding Harleys at night and, you know, off-road bikes <laughs> at night. I've done a fair bit of it. <laughs> yeah, racing cars at night and whatever else you've done. Yeah. It, it, all, it all lends into exactly. it, you know. Um, it does. Far out. What, what a, wow. That's so cool, Simo. Like, what are you doing this week? Oh, I'm racing 24 hours at Glen Helen. Oh, okay. That's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then next week's uh, uh, another... another um, uh, Grand Prix style, so I think that's work, which is um, up past Vegas, Mesquite. It's a bit of a sand track. Yeah, it's going to be pretty busy until I'm um, back home in Australia mid-November for a bit of vacation, as the Americans call it. A bit, of, so a bit of a holiday. <laughs> yeah, you, a holiday you actually haven't Christmas. you haven't picked up any accent. I'm surprised. Oh no! I'll, as I say to people, I'm, I'm 26. If I come over at like 17 or 18, I might pick up on stuff. I do say words. I'm I do say words only so I don't have to repeat myself. That's when, that's where it gets you because, see, when I went there, I was like, like you said, young. I was 18, you know, 19, yeah. so a bit more impressionable. And But then you go to the restaurants, and I bet this is what you do, right? Because I know for a fact you go, oh, can I have, you know, a tomato? And they're like, what? And you go, oh, tomato. Yeah. You know, like you have to start saying those words, hey. Exactly. Where's the bin? And they go, they just look at you. So, oh, sorry, where's the trash? Where's like, the trash that's, can? Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> but when I talk, so when I talk to say you, which you have a bit of a hybrid um, accent when it comes to it's being bit, from the UK, America, and Australia, yeah, so bit, I can't even everything. I can't even call you out on there. But when I talk <laughs> to Aussies, complete Aussies, <laughs> they um, yeah, my my accent will be like I'll say normal normal words and. It's just funny. We don't use our slang here. That's the only thing I don't really do because they just don't understand it. Have, has Big Simo been out at all? No, he hasn't. We've been, oh. The family business has been, been booming um, back home in Australia, so he hasn't been out. But he has met Mark and all the boys before. he came come over for the Mint uh, two years ago. I can just but imagine yeah, every pretty... time he opens his mouth, they'd be like, uh, what, what, what? What did you say? <laughs> and then I'd have to be the... The translator, he doing hand signs and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, even when your dad talks to me half time, I'm like, you know, slow down, dude. (laughs) Yeah. His mind's just ticking. Yeah. He's, oh man, good times. Plenty, plenty of good times running around the country with you guys back in the day. That's for sure. But all right, Simo, hey, be safe at Glen Helen this week. Um, Good luck. Good to chat. I'm sure the Inside Dirt listeners be happy to hear you're doing well over there and um, we'll touch base soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Inside Dirt. And, uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, bud. Talk to you soon. See ya.